You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Welcome back to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. We have a great show for you today. We've been off for a couple weeks. It was very much needed, but today we're back. We have a great interview with a, with a guy who works at Wycliffe. Bible translators that's going to talk to us about Bible translation and the things we should know, as well as we're going to talk about uh, an article from the Karen Newoff blog. But uh, here with me is uh, all the way in Baltimore, Maryland. We got Jeff Simpson down in uh, Sumter, South Carolina. We got Delmar Pete. I'm so happy just to be here. Yeah. And then together in the uh, morning after ministry studios, we got uh, Andrew Larson. I'm just happy. And Timothy Miller. Duval. Yeah, we lost, but still, I'm a, I'm a fan, so it is what it is. Well, guys, before we go into a, a lot of content, I just want to send the front end. We're still very, 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 very excited about the Practically Pestering Conference happening on February 20th to the 22nd next year. Still, there are many spots available. Tickets are available. We want to see you there. Folks are already buying plane tickets and all this other stuff. We are so happy, excited. To, to see you there and to be a part of it. And we want you there. So if you can, go to practicallypastoring.com. If you are a pastor, a student pastor, an associate pastor, children's director, children's pastor, youth ministry director, whatever the role is, if you are pastoring of some sort, we want you there. It's also an opportunity to bring your friends um, or other co- co-laborers, people who you work with at your church, to come with you to the conference. It'll be, it, it's, it's a conference unlike any other conference you've ever been to because we are there. And we want you to be there. All right. Um, so, with that being said, how how is everyone's week going? I, hopefully, Jeff comes back. We, we we've already lost him. Oh, he's yes. back. And we're so we're so. Did the rapture. Just but hey, happened? at least I know now I can refresh and just Jeff hop back in here. No idea why that's happening. Andrew has this like really hyped story to share with us. Before he shares that story, uh, I had uh, we had our fall kickoff. Jeff thinks I'm uh, I'm bringing people in the wrong way. But listen, all I said is how you get them, so you have to keep them. I mean. But- and all we did you is do you, basically just a big fellowship time where the community was invited to come. We had one giveaway, and, and it was a raffle. And as you guys know, the big raffle part is just so we can make sure we have everyone's information up to date and correct. So, it, you know, it's not. There's no. I good. just want to know how many kids are going to show up next week expecting a bounce house and stuff. A bounce house in the sanctuary. Look, it, could, it can't be that big of a deal because Frank was texting us at 10 a.m., you know, when normal pastors right. were preaching. Yes. And so it couldn't have been real work. Because A, he's a campus pastor, but B, he's texting us at 10 a.m. Hey, guys, this is funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, I didn't see it. I didn't see it till I put my phone off at Do Not Disturb. Yeah, I'm literally, I'm thinking, is, is Frank just using the bathroom? Is this like his morning bathroom thing and he's texting us right now? Because you're an hour behind us. He's he's nodding. He's nodding. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's true. If it was 10 o'clock, you guys, it was 9 o'clock here. So I would have the service would have just started here. But. You're, I mean, oh, so you were texting us during the service, right? So what you're saying is all the things we ever wondered about campus pastors. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> well, now that the real pastor's on the screen, I'm going to text my buddies. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, That's while they're preaching. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the service starts at nine fifteen, so it would have been during the time where I was supposed to be greeting people. Oh, but, that's even worse. That's but, even worse. But, um, during his twelve minutes of responsibility all week, he's texting <laughs> oh, my us. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> I uh, I actually was like off, not off. I had, I because we had fall kickoff. All your the campus pastors on that day, their job is to like getting people to where they need to go, set up things and stuff like that. So 
I was more of like a, a, a facilities pastor or director at that point instead of a campus pastor in that role. So anyway, we love you. I was just being silly. I know you work very hard, very hard. You go to way Uh, more meetings than I do. uh, Yeah. probably. As a former campus pastor, I am remaining ambiguously quiet on all of this. (laughs) That comment doesn't feel ambiguous at all. Hey, how how was your week? I saw you uh, subliminally posting, Oh, new spaces, old faces. So your church is growing. Dude, well, no. Yesterday was my uh, my first day. So, oh yeah, really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yesterday was it. my first day, so it was kind of cool to see some some old faces. But uh, today uh, we have Mondays off. I used to have Fridays off, but now it's Mondays. But I've been up at the office, just kind of nesting. You know, you know how it is when you first get there. So my 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 office, I didn't have anything in it the last nine months. I was at the last church, so it's all been just sitting in boxes at my house. So it was really cool to kind of like pull everything back out and, and set it up. So looking forward to it. Nice. Jeff, how's your week? Um, I did not preach yesterday, so it was nice. Um, the guy that's helping us start a youth ministry took yesterday's uh, sermon. So that was fun. He was in Acts chapter nine. We're in an Acts series. Nine, and, He was in nine and ten. But um. The uh, low light of last week, or highlight, whichever way you want to look at it, was uh, the boil water advisory that we had because E. coli got into the water. So, always fun. Now, E. coli got definitely into the water in Baltimore City. I live just outside the city, so the county where I live uh, put us under a boil water advisory. They never actually tested positive for E. coli in my water supply. But when you hear that, generally you start drinking bottled water a lot. So you more. shower so, with your mouth closed, yes, because you yes, are bathing in a vat of E. coli. Yes, I yes, which is which is from fecal matter getting into the water. That's <laughs> that's what it is. That's how you get hepatitis, so, feces to fingers to food. My, hold my on. nurse. Here's mother, a question: If you had time. a baptism lined up and there was E. coli <laughs> in the water, would you still go forward with it? Dude, we would have we would have quickly converted to um, not dunking all the way, but to pouring over, and I would have probably gone to Sam's Club and gotten one of those giant, uh, you know, the water cooler bottles that you can get. Yeah, that makes That's sense. What I hey, hey, desperate times. Still you fully can immersed. Drop a chlorine man. tab into the baptistry. You, can. you could do that you could too. Do that. You could do that too. You could. So, uh, church wise, exciting times. Our youth group is launching on Wednesday, so I'm excited about that. And a week from tonight. Uh, I am launching a class uh, with adults. So, what class? What are you? Fun. What's it on? Um, I'm doing a thing called Story Formed Way. It's like a 10 session uh, walk through the whole story of redemption with Ooh. people. It's kind of a primer. Um, I was either going to do that or Alpha, and uh, I chose this because I have some experience with it. So, it's um, it's from uh, if you're familiar with Jeff Vanderstelt's ministry, it's from the uh, the Saturate hmm. uh, stuff that he does. So, really, really good stuff. Really helps people uh, get into a missional mindset. Um, so excited about that! It's probably something we want to maybe do once a year or so. But we are scheduled to come out of our status of redevelopment by Easter uh, next year. So this is a piece of getting everybody kind of on the same page. So, so a lot of my office time lately has been like reading bylaws and writing constitutions, and that sounds just thrilling, man. Riveting, riveting stuff. So yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited to get back to preaching this week. So I had two Sundays off in a row, and then I preached, and then I had this Sunday, last Sunday off. So now it'll be nice to get back into the rhythm of just kind of weekly preaching again. So we did go back to two services at Lakeview yesterday, which was awesome. I was 
I was hesitant. I, I love having everyone in a single service. It's just, it's just awesome. Like I get to see everybody at the same time. I get to talk to everybody at the same time. But the last two weeks, like we felt it, it, it was a, it was a tight squeeze. It, it was a bit uncomfortable last week specifically. So going to two services was the perfect time for it. Everyone could breathe a little bit and it, it really, it, it went so smooth. I, I was really thankful. It was just a, just a good Sunday. I Did wasn't you change exhausted. your service times for that? Yeah. So our two service times are 9, 30 and 11. When we go to one service, we're at 10 a.m. So it's kind of in the middle ish when we go to one service. Gotcha. Thought I was going to be really, really tired. I think I was amped for NFL weekend. I wasn't tired. And then Andrew texted me, hey, how you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm good. It was like three o'clock. But by 430, I was I was crashed. Like I we didn't text you at 10. He did not text <laughs> me at 10 a.m. Again, like you, Jeff, I had my phone on Do Not Disturb. So I didn't see the shenanigans until honestly. Hey, after. Frank, we're having a podcast here. You with us? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is kindness is what this is. We love you. We love you, Frank. Right, so boys, the story is two weeks old. I've been sitting for on the it. person. Listen, for the person that keeps getting bumped off for the Internet, I'm being a little bit chippy. <laughs> so this uh, this story took place like the day after we recorded together for the last time. And I've wanted to share it with you guys so many times, but I wanted to have a video reaction of everybody's face happening at once because it's just that good. I'm going to need Tim's help because he knows these people better than I do. I do. And uh, so the background story is we, we had a visit, some visitors a few weeks ago. This is a family with quadruplets. That's four children born at roughly the same time. So four teenage wow. quadruplets um, in this this family. They go to the school that the Miller kids go to. And one of our dear friends has been encouraging them to come to check out Safety Harbor Community Church for quite some time. And two weeks ago, they came, and it was wonderful and exciting. So the quadruplet family, uh, we know them well. Their only daughter, so three boys, one girl, their only daughter is in my uh, – they're all in my daughter's class. So know them know them well. There's a, there's a group chat that goes around, and – um, Steph caught wind of a certain group chat she was not a part of, but she was privy to it because her friends were in it, and it had to do with a certain Mr. Larson. So they said in in the chat, this family said, hey, you know, we, we attended a new church yesterday, Safety Harbor Community Church, Pastor Andrew Larson. Ever heard of it? And someone responded, "Yeah, we we know them really well. That's that's one of that's one of Tim's really good friends. He does a pod, he does a couple podcasts with him." And then someone else in this same group chat responded, "Hang on, before we get to her response, <laughs> what you need to understand is the the woman that responded. So this is like a mom group chat. Yep. And this mom no longer has kids at that school. Correct. And I don't want to characterize anybody." in a negative way, but this, this family left the school because in a lot of ways, the school and the structure of the school was a bit more conservative for their family. It was a bit too conservative for their family. Probably the same reason that family left Lakeview. Just and that. so, you know, when someone leaves because of something like that in the back of everybody else's mind is this person is way far left of all of us or way far right of all of us. You know, we tend to characterize uh, caricature people who do not line up with us exactly. And so this mom who is still in the group chat, her kids are no longer at the school because this, their school is more conservative than she are. Therefore, every other mom in the group chat thinks that this is a very, very liberal woman when really she's just moderate. She says, yes, I know that church well. In fact, did you know the senior pastor 
used to be a woman. What? Awesome. What? So now, awesome. There are two different ways to take that statement. Uh, one are of there? which could be, hey, in the history of that church, at one point, they had a female senior pastor, which this woman is saying, hey, some of the other churches you've tried are a bit more conservative than you are. You're a bit more progressive than some of the other families at this Christian school. So you should know that this church is cool with women in, le- in leadership. However, the way that that comment was taken was, you know, Andrew Larson, that guy that you met two days ago, <laughs> whose sermon you sat through. <laughs> this is absolutely how I would have taken oh this. Oh, my goodness. He was born as Andrea Larson. <laughs> Oh, my God. So one of the initial responses was, I can't believe Steph would let Tim be best friends with someone who used to be a woman. Would let. Wow. (laughs) There's so many layers to this. And so there were several minutes where this mother is like, oh, I I don't know how I feel about this. One comment was, well, the transition went really smooth. I. Well, that's a compliment on how masculine you look, Andrew. See, I I think it goes the other way. I think she was thinking, (laughs) you know, the more I think about it, he does have some very delicate features. (laughs) And were those were those man boobs or (laughs) yikes? And so then someone I don't know. Again, I wasn't part of the conversation. I'm getting this from Tim, and Tim called me like crying. I was dying. It was the best thing ever, and. uh, so how how was she informed that no 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 I have been male my entire life that's no we we kept this going for days no we, <laughs> we made sure she knew that it was dude, keep it the, going dude the previous senior pastor the current no the previous so senior pastor the, the senior the pastor there not. used to be a woman is yeah. kind of a true statement because there was a woman senior pastor at one point in this church's history but the way in which it was worded oh had my a bit goodness of a double meaning. Perfect. And, and it was a text, so that's really hard to... You, know, you cannot tell tone via text. So I laughed until I cried. I called multiple people. I was like, I have to tell you this story because I can't tell it on a podcast for two weeks because of stupid <laughs> Labor Day because I want to tell my friends. Um, but so I, <laughs> oh, I, so I, good. We cleared, we cleared this with, with the family. They, 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 they think are, it's hilarious. They Andrew, it's, you have the best like illustration when you're talking about using context in scripture. Oh, I oh, know. You have the best. I'm there. I'm already in the sermon with you, bro. <laughs> context matters. I mean, honestly, wow. any of us could use that now because we could just say, hey, we had a friend. My, right? my, so this story my, will work in all of our churches. Dude, this is like Andrew. conspiracy theory fodder for pastors. Oh, I know. But it, <laughs> Man. It's, it's funny because the reaction has either been like the open mouth laugh that you guys are, are giving or isn't it just so sad that in today's day and age, she would even have to be confused by that. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I, I guess, but it's also just really funny. Can't you just embrace the fact that this funny. is really, really funny? Not everything has to be an Our Daily Bread devotional. Sometimes you can just laugh <laughs> I think, at how I ridiculous think the situation is. Whichever one of those two ways that people react to this story is how you can tell if they're fun at a party or not. Yeah, 100%. That is true. Tim, if I were you, I would have... I would have done what you said you wanted to do. It's like, let that story go for so long. Be I like, wasn't be in like, the group chat. Otherwise, I, you know, uh, I would have totally. Do you think that, that story had time to bleed into the community or for, or you think it shut down quick enough? <laughs> I hope <laughs> it wasn't. 
you know, no, he does, I could explain he does, the increased attendance. He does wear a lot of ties, and Ellen DeGeneres had that one phase where she wore ties. Oh, you know, yeah. I, gosh. I can see ties. it. When Ellen was an American Idol judge, I told my wife every week, I want her complete wardrobe. How am I so <laughs> jealous of Ellen's wardrobe? Um, so I get it. Like the, it's just like that well-tailored suit. It's a good look. Isn't Safety Harbor like a little – it's a blue city. Yes. Like, it's a, it's See, a little that's more the thing. progressive. Sa- Safety Harbor is a crunchy town. We say – you know, it's, there's a lot of granola around here. Which is why it explains it's very the crunchy. attendance over the last the, uh, And again, the woman who's like saying, oh, hey, by the way, did you know this? The other moms in the group chat are already predisposed to think that she is way far left of everybody. And so it was just this perfect storm that led to oh the most goodness. amazingly beautiful – transgendered misunderstanding there's awesome. like layers of context but it's all bad context you it's know like layers but it's, but it's it makes me so happy andrea larson. is it andrea or andrea you know there's no apostrophe so i think it's just okay. andrea i think for andrea okay. there has to be an apostrophe over the a got it Frank, well, I think you need to introduce Andrew as Andrea in our podcast for the next. I think you well, should. Dumar- Although, would that be dead naming? Frank, wow. you, you know how you, you know how you, uh, you you use an image for every episode when you you know when you publish it. Do you want me to get the Snapchat filter that turns me into a woman and send that to you? One hundred percent. Yeah, I was actually going to ask Dell to get on his Photoshop skills real quick and to make something. But uh, if you want to do a <laughs> Snapchat, I got, I, I got you. Hang on. All right, sounds good. Well, while you're doing that, let's transition to our next segment. Um, Carrie Newoff, it's funny, I think all of us got this article. I think this was what I texted at 10 a.m. actually. Mm-hmm. Um, all of us got this article in our email, five quirky things that are way true that are way too true about Christian life. I was experiencing a couple of them Carrie when you texted it. <laughs> and so what I want to do is I'm gonna read uh, the five of them, but I wanna like talk about like, man, first off, these are so accurate. And then talk about like how we've been seeing them in our churches. So the first Dude, one is, number one is triggering for me. Yeah, yeah. The first one is this. The more off-tune someone is, the more they really, really want to be on the music team. Dude. How, so tell me, how, have, how has that been true in your, in your church? How, have, is there, do you, are you one of those churches that have some off-key folks on your worship team where you just turn off their mic? Or are you having hard conversations? No comment. We, we actually did. We did go, huh? No, we, we went through this and there was a period of time at Lakeview where we turned down the microphone. Uh, but our current worship leader, she's awesome. She now requires a video submission as kind of a tryout. So they have to. So what's nice about that is then they have to actually hear themselves before it even gets to her. And most of the time after they film a video of themselves, they don't even send it to Colleen to get to the next. Dude. Hearing yourself not in your own ears is is a brutal gut check. Agreed. That's that's interesting. I mean, we we require some sort of um uh or audition as well, but that's actually a really cool thing. Have them do a video audition first, yeah, and then they have to hear themselves. Then then you might self select out. Um, that's interesting. Uh, Dell or Andrew, have you ever had any experience with off tune, off key uh, musicians wanting to be in the worship team? I actually. Oh, go ahead, Andrew. I was as a youth pastor, Ladies it was way first. easier because <laughs> everyone's off key. As a youth well pastor, done. it was way easier because then it was like, hey, you know, these people are 14, 15. They're they're inviting their friends to come to hear them lead worship. Um, in my current role, I acquiesce to our worship team, which makes life a whole lot easier because they're kind of allowed to be critical because they're the musicians and it's not the senior pastor being like, Hey, you can't sing. 
it's a fellow musician. So that's one of the great joys of delegation. Whenever uh, we used to have a worship team with rotations when I was in students, I actually had a vocal coach and they would, uh, they would, they would, you know, perform for the vocal coach and then they would just give me the raw feedback and then we'd have the conversations. But I'll tell you my first church, I actually pulled in someone with bad vocals. This is not good story. This is not me being at my finest, but the church was having a really hard time like adopting any kind of modern music um, because there was a couple really like, you know, there's always the naysayers, you know? So I found one of the, the biggest vocal opponents and I pulled her granddaughter on stage to lead the worship. And she became a huge proponent of. I think uh, that the, is a brilliant plan. <laughs> she wasn't that good, but uh, it really did a lot for the. Uh, it did a lot for the church because, man, after that, there were it was very well received. So, like I said, I don't know if that's if that's very nice or not, but uh, yeah, it was what it was. <laughs> um, I'm. I'm dying right now. I'm looking at these photos. I can't. I can't even focus right now. I wasn't expecting. Um, uh, uh, Tim, what, what's your Tamantha? <laughs> I don't even know what to, what to say right now. These are Tiffany would probably make the most sense. The thing is, Andrew's Andrew's trans- photo looks like people I know. So this is this is hilarious. <laughs> this is so legit. <laughs> anyways, anyways, let's go keep going. Dude, this was this one might be personal for um the four Florida guys who used to live in Tampa. Um but I, I but we probably all, all know this. The more adjectives in a church's name, the stranger Especially it's exciting. <laughs> the, the stranger the church. Yeah, there's a church which shots I, fired. To be wow. fair, it's not a bad church, but I've I always thought changing their name though. The, well Already, there's a church called Idlewild, and that name by itself is already kind of weird because it sounds like idol. Why, like, like the word idol is in it, but it's but then it was the branding is exciting Idlewild. It's like <laughs> you should know we're really exciting, even though we're very southern. Dude, Baptist. That part was in the, in the late 90s and early 2000s. Their bumper stickers, the font for the word oh. exciting <laughs> was incredible. It, is. <laughs> it was like American Gladiators, yeah. Power Rangers type stuff. It is. What other? I mean, it's true. The more like the moment they start adding adjectives to describe the church in the official name, weird stuff starts happening with that church. Can you guys think of other adjectives that are in a church's name that you've heard? Um, if the word apostolic is in your church name, I'm not oh. coming. <laughs> That's funny. But the example they gave is so good because if you're the first Episcopal Bap- Baptist Freestyle Church of the Holiness of the Tabernacle of God, then there's, there's <laughs> so many words. Now, we have to also say there is in the African American church yeah. tradition, there is a lot more of like multi multi named churches because of necessity. Like, to, you know, yeah, it's true. But when they're just like weird, yes, weird names like Freestyle Church of the Holiness. Now, and I'll also say this in Spanish speaking churches, like the ones that rent my building, their names are so long compared to ours. Um, the the one church is Iglesia de Dios Camino de Santidad, which is like Church of God, the Way of Holiness. I think is what it would translate <laughs> to. So yeah. super long. Yeah. Or, or I, 
Or like there's one around our town. Um, it's the Fire Baptized KJV Independent Holiness Church. That's the name. Yeah, it's when I go to uh, to Lancaster, I always pass it's it. Actually, I've... the Bible study that meets at Dell's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if the red lights on, y'all don't come in because we got snakes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's really I also like um there are some churches I think they're from the black like the African American tradition but like there's there's like uh churches around here that are like um very nuanced like bible stories or like or bible things are in the name like um like um Solomon's Temple Church of God or like oh, yeah. or like um or like uh yeah a lot of Zion too there's a lot, a lot of Zion, of Zion stuff it's but it's like they they hone in like Good Samaritan Bible Church. It's like they hone in on like a specific story or a specific thing in the Bible, and it's like, does that branding affect your preaching? Like, all you can preach about is you know one thing, or I don't know. It's oh, I saw there's this it's church like around the corner for me. Title. Yeah, there's this church around the corner for me. It's called Church on the Move, and they just oh, built their, their location. That's a, that's a massive church. It's not like it's, it's a huge church. Is it really? Oh, oh dude. Yeah, it's all over they have the conferences. They have like there's conferences. another one in our community called Church Without Walls. We do. <laughs> it's literally yeah. a building. I'm like, that's kind of funny. I want, I'm pretty sure Church on the Move's worship pastor is one of the guys from Phillips, Craig, and Dean or something. Oh, really? I've got I'm pretty a buddy sure. who was on staff for a, at a while at a church in Little Rock, and the name of the church was that church. Oh yeah, they, they, when they were buying the uh, the domain, it was that dot church was available. I'm like, oh cool, so really they nice. changed their name to be that church. Yeah. Without- in all seriousness, Delmar being into videography and stuff, yeah, you should check out Church on the Moves. Like, their content is incredible. Is it really? Quality is oh so good. They have like a creative department conference. I think like they wow. they started because their see I think their founding pastor had like a like a nationally um, televised pu- like puppet show or something back in the nineties. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I know you are. But- that's amazing. <laughs> um, and then for like and their blog has like super duper helpful stuff about like church creative stuff. Yeah. Pretty cool. No, there's a without walls church in Tampa. Um, uh, Paula White is the pastor there. Oh, so, okay. that with the golden toilet seats. Um, I think we should also because in in this in this same paragraph here, he says same goes for a pastor's title. If you get <laughs> yes. the Reverend Doctor Brother Pastor Andrew, there's there, there could be an issue. I, it does not say oh. my name. It says oh X. Sorry, no, I misread. Sorry, that. It, says, no, it says Andrea. Andrea. <laughs> um, I have a funny story about this. So I work with the the elementary school that's like literally across the street from where our church is, and. Um, I, there was some new staff member at the beginning of the school year, and they asked, what should they call me, reverend, pastor, bishop? And I said, jokingly, but now I regret that I did it in an email because you can't read tone. I jokingly said, oh, yeah. Like I said, yeah, technically I'm a reverend, but you can just call me Jeff. So now she, everybody at the school now calls me Reverend Jeff, and it annoys me so much because I just want to be Jeff. But I did it to myself. Our denomination definitely emphasizes the Reverend Doctor, and it's not Reverend Doctor; it's the Reverend Doctor. And so, there's been lots of jokes around here about uh, when I finish my my demon. Dude, the only thing worse than that is people that put it. Pastor in like their Instagram handle and stuff. Like, what? Why? You know <laughs> Who what I'm saying? That? I'm like, if you, have to, if you especially have to do, do that, like, not even a real pastor. 
You're right. You're right. Or, or, that's well, why, here's, here's that's, that's, that's why it's a low. Why are we there? so mean to Frank? Frank that's why, I, that's why it's a lowercase. It's a lowercase. Now, key. okay. A real yeah. question. There may be someone listening. So sorry to offend, but if you no, if you're not. a doctor, what do you think about the people who who always got to have the word doctor before their name, even if they're a pastor? They don't want pastor. They got to have I'm doctor so and so in a, every announcement. What do you What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are they spend a ton of years and a ton of money to get that title and they want to hear it all the time. <laughs> yeah, dude, I know a lot. I mean, I've known a lot of people that were doctor that I didn't know they were doctor for a long time. Cause they never, right. They were never like that about it. I know well, some denominations like, really oh, value church, that yeah. too, right? Some denominations like they don't want to put you yeah. behind the pulpit unless you have that. So I get that, but I guess it's like when you want it, it's like, eh, eh, you know, listen, and to be fair, if your Instagram handle is pastor and a nickname, I let it slide. That's a caveat. That's an exception. Like Pastor Mark? Like Pastor Tank. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, I accept that one. <laughs> All right, moving on. Um, the <laughs> the number three, the longer an email and the fewer paragraphs so true. it contains, the worse it is. And the more capital like- letters. Can we add that in there too? <laughs> I think this is just a no-stop, unequivocal yes. This is – we don't even need to comment on this because – it's so true. Yeah. It's just, what about a letter that someone leaves at the church the day after Easter because they're angry at you for having a quote unquote satanic deli? A satanic deli? What? Yes. That sounds delicious. Oh, this is a real story, and you guys are going to get a PDF in the chat. <laughs> Enjoy that. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, emails. I mean, some of the emails that either the church secretary or you get, the pastor gets, are pretty phenomenal and ridiculous or some, amazing sometimes the email fellow pastors give out are pretty phenomenal and ridiculous too mm. did anybody else get this in the mail tim and i were talking about this earlier but it's the uh the three different letters sent out by the uh by the prophet to america that i got last week in the mail Ooh. no uh, it's, it's the it's the prophet to america and it, it says final warning it's, on uh, yeah, the envelope it's like stamped final Ooh. warning like it's, but it's uh it's addressed to pp's pitiful pastors If this gets through the filters all the way to the senior pastor, I just want you to know what crud you are. You may have a pretty face, good gift of speaking, and probably sitting pretty financially, but you're still a crud. And when you go down, it won't be so pretty. You'll have a thousand Putins grinding on you. That's not true. I I will scan it on my phone right now and text you. Can you put it in the Practically Pastoring group on Facebook? Yeah, that needs to happen. Please do Listen, there has got to be a way for us to somehow – just pull a quick one and use the PP part of that yeah. to promote our conference. Hey, is there a number that I can call on that there's thing? A, there's a website. It's profittoamerica.com. Oh, I'm going there. And uh, it's profittoamerica.com. He's a 501c3. And uh, he's – yeah. But so there's three different letters like this that I have. And one of them, he's, he's very excited about his new book coming out on Zulon Press. So – there's that does it have the well. name? Does it have the word Zion in the title? Probably. Y'all, Probably if you does. click on the links, there's links in it called Hysteria, Dark World. There's a link if you're a pastor. Y'all need to – oh, my gosh. Oh, man. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. This, this, also, this podcast this is out, off the rails. This sounds like how a Black Mirror episode starts, you know? Like you get this <laughs> – I kind of love websites like this. It gives me like GeoCity vibes. <laughs> um, I really does. I'm kind of in love with it. All right, next, next, next one. 
<laughs> this is kind of relevant to what we just talked about too. The more mature a person claims to be, the less awesome they are to be around. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that is a load of truth. Yeah, dude, this this feels too personal. I mean, like I I know it's like as a pastor, you there's a sense of like. I think this is true most of with like a lot of millennial pastors. It's like we want to be incarnational. We want to be with the people and not feel like there's this like super special designation from us, even though there is like, you know, a calling on our lives. Like we want to be, you know, we want people to feel comfortable with us. And this kind of speaks into that. Like when people say, do you want to go by Pastor Frank or just Frank? I always say just Frank because I don't want people to feel like, you know, I'm this like, ooh, elevated person. But there are these times where sometimes folks like want to combat me because either because I'm in my 30s or or because I am so like trying to be personable and they claim to be very like this very mature person and even like claim to be more mature than me, which sure I'm there could very there there very well is and could be people in my church who are more mature than me. But why are they jerks sometimes? <laughs> why are they not like I don't know? It it, it definitely seems like um when we read scripture, the more mature a person is, the more like selfless, grace filled, godly are they are. Not necessarily me, but I don't know. So what if they're think? prophet to America and they have a sentence at the end of their letter that I just read that said, uh, if you say I haven't heard a word concerning this jerk that's slamming me, then keep your head buried in the sand. It will all work out, my <laughs> friends. Jeremiah is called the <laughs> weeping prophet because God has revealed to him how far the ancient Israelites had fallen. Same today, different prophet, same anointing, different time period, same God. Wow. Please use, uh, please, you have a brain, use it. Bon voyage. Is there so a wow. several prophet, prophet to America? America. Oh, so, his website says our constitution is God breathed, not by wisdom. And that his only reason is lasted so long and has been so prosperous. Yeah. He says our constitution is scripture. This guy's getting stoned in the Old Testament. Bro. <laughs> He might get right. stoned in the end times. Who knows? All right. Well, he's a cover one three, right. so he won't pay taxes. All right. That's true. Moving on. Um, and the last one is this. The people who complain the most contribute the least. Usually true. Usually kind of true. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there are people who complain who, who do do a lot, but, like, I think this is mostly uh, an accurate statement. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, it's true. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, you know, like when people, um, to the one about the mature person, you know, I I've seen this a lot. Whenever you have bands and speakers come to your conferences, right? Like they may not speak it out that way, but their demands can be that way. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, like I'm a big deal. Like, like to Frank's credit, whenever he came and spoke for me a few years ago, I was like, what you need, bro? He's like, oh, just a place to stay, you know? So I said, well, I'm going to get you some good, uh, I think we went and got barbecue chicken sandwiches and things were awesome, dude. But, uh, but then I've also had other speakers come out and we, we tell them we're going to pay for everything. And then they go and rack up all these other bills at random places. And they have mailed them back to me at the end, (laughs) which I'm like, we we paid you in full. We front loaded everything, and now they want and and then we've had some big uh, artists come to town, and like they require this type of grape in their room, and they retire require this type of 
I don't know. And part of me wants to give some like grace and be like, well, maybe they have a a green grape allergy, so they can only have purple grapes. But I don't know. To me, it's it's if you're asking a good way. Because I'm a little, you know, it is a way to do some inventory. Like whenever you go visit others, what are the demands you put on them? Because that's a good way of knowing like how high you think about yourself. Accurate. Uh, Accurate. If you want to read this article, it's in the show notes below. Five quirky things that are way too true about church life. And maybe uh, in the Facebook group, you can add your own that you feel like is is a truism. that's kind of unspoken, but everyone in ministry understands. Hey, with that being said, um, we are going to hear J- Jeff. Do you want to set this up? Tell us about what we should expect from this interview. Yeah. So I, uh, a few weeks back, a friend of mine who is part of a translation team in Indonesia with Wycliffe, um, came through Baltimore and he spoke at my church with his wife and uh, their kids and them stayed with us for like three or four days. And uh, so one night I was like, hey, man, it'd be pretty interesting to uh, grab an interview with you and talk about Bible translation, because, you know, all of us as pastors are benefiting from somebody translating the Bible into our language. So, you know, it's just an interesting thing. So we sat down. I think I think the interview is about 20 minutes and uh, he just kind of talked through the process a little bit and uh, what Wycliffe is about and what they're doing and even some of the ways that churches get plugged in. Uh, with Wycliffe towards the end of the interview. So uh, his name's Curtis. Uh, he goes by Chetty. Uh, he's, I think, Jamaican. So you'll notice the accent there. But uh, really cool guy, really fun couple. I knew them from Orlando. And uh, so it was, uh, it was a fun interview. All right. Well, listen to this interview and then stick around. We'll be right back after uh, this interview with Curtis. Well, hey, everybody. It's Jeff, part of the Practically Pastoring team. I am here with my friend Curtis, or Chetty, as he goes by. And today we have a special treat for you because we are going to talk about Bible translation. Chetty is, I know you have an official title, but you are a Bible translator basically. And um, why don't you, why don't we just start by tell us where your ministry is because it's overseas. Um, We're recording this right now in the sanctuary of my church in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, It's like 10, 15 at night. Our kids are asleep. We're just hanging out. And I said, hey, let's record something. And because I think Bible translation is obviously very interesting for a pastor, um, there's a sense in which we're doing some of the same things, I guess, when we're preparing sermons, we're interpreting, and we're probably there's some crossover. And you've been a pastor before, so you would know that. So can you just tell us where in the world you are um, translating, who you work with, and like what all that looks like? Thanks, Jeff. Um, happy to be sharing with you tonight and your listeners. Um So I work in the Pacific, in the country of Indonesia. I work in the south. Uh, The province is called Nusa Tenggara Timor. And um, we get to work openly with the church, which is something that not all missionaries in Indonesia Mm. uh, get to do. So we're blessed that way. Um, I am a translation facilitator, a translation project facilitator, just to be clear. Um, I myself don't do translating, but what I do, I'm like an advisor to the mother tongue translators, the, the locals or the native speakers would say who do the translating or the drafting. I come alongside them and I check their work for accuracy, for naturalness, for clarity. Uh, my background is in linguistics and 
biblical exegesis. And so I bring that to bear on the process. So when you say the, there are mother tongue translators, that would mean native speakers who grew up speaking that language, and they're actually translating, for, what are they translating from? Yeah, good question. So yeah, these are native persons, men, women sometimes, and um, they normally use a good translation that's available in a in a in one of the national languages okay. in the in the country. And in my case, this is Indonesian. Okay. So the, there are several decent or good translation in Indonesian right now, and so they would use those. Um, in some cases, if these persons have been exposed to Hebrew and Greek, they can also use that as well. Um, because in some cases, you know, you get retired pastors who mm. have been to seminary. Well, they've been to Bible school, and they would use their training, like their biblical languages training, to bear on the translation or the drafting that they're doing. That's cool. So I don't think we mentioned it, but you are, uh, you work for Wycliffe. Yes. Named I- after John Wycliffe, who translated the Bible into English. So... When you, you know, you mentioned mother tongue translators, and that, that's making me wonder, like, can you explain the process of translation? I mean, it starts from no Bible in that, in that native tongue, and then, like, take us in a, in a very kind of broad, I'm sure it's a very complicated process, but take us kind of step by step through what, like, what happens? How does that work? Yeah, um, the, the, the method or the approach taken to drafting is what we'd call it can be different based on the context. So in a context where, for example, there is translation done in national language, like that's not English, you know, so it's Indonesian or another national language in a different country. And on, on a small island, for example, these men would have gone to school if they have been to college. They would have gone to school and they have studied in the national language. And so the approach is you... You go on the field, you study the, the language you want to translate in. Like in my case, I'd have to do like some basic research at least into the language I'm going to be working with just so I understand the structure of it as a, an, an, an outsider. Okay. And then from there... So the structure meaning like the grammar rules. Yeah, the grammar. The um, syntax and stuff. The syntax and so on. You know, how the language works. Yeah. Um, the discourse. Now, and th- is this assuming that it, it is a written language? No, not necessarily. Okay. Um, SIL linguists um, or translators, they sometimes start with languages that are not written. So first, in that case, <laughs> I guess that's another scenario where in that case, you'd have to start by studying the sound system of the language, the phonetics, the phonology, yeah. and then you come up with an alphabet. Or you, or what that will communicate those phonemes and stuff. Right, that yeah. you, that gives the wow. meaning and you do morphology and all those, the grammar, building up to the grammar. And so that's a longer process. There, so in a, in a perfect scenario, you start there. But sometimes, even if the language is not written, you know, you can start with like an oral approach, an oral Bible translation project. And that is where everything is done orally. It's recorded. You just produce recordings and you share that with the community until there's a written format. So audio recordings. Yeah, you like, do audio. And so for some languages wow. too, that's all you need because based on the size of the the, the people okay. group. And also um, there are other factors that could influence it, like literacy, for example. Um, you know, people interested in reading their own language. So for, for, some, for some language groups, you would start by um, 
first you start by understanding their language, you know, the basics of it. Then you do training with the the the, the potential translators. You teach them basic, um, just for them to understand even their own language. Because a lot of language is intuitive to us. Right. You, t- you know? You're teaching the rules like a kid would learn English yeah, in American school. Yeah, you teach them the rules of their language. Yeah. Like, help them to understand what... Try to get to the bottom of what makes the lang- what makes what what makes beautiful translation essentially. So the, all the discourse elements that you need to make sure you have because sometimes people will use like for example like the King James version and they're drafting from that and they make it exactly that literal what do you call quote unquote literalness. You know they try to mimic that in their translation mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily what's good for their people group, you know? And so you need them to understand, like, yes, you can get the understanding from the King James, but you're, you can have a different style. You need to maintain all the linguistic features that are beautiful about your language. Don't just do it the way it is in the King James. And then do you, you have know? to you have to try to incorporate things like idioms and... Yes. In, so, in, in that... So those are all um, things that, you know, all the things that, that I call make... The things that makes your language beautiful. The okay. things that makes it easy to read and enjoyable, you know, because um, you want to have those in your translation as much as possible. So where there's idioms in the Bible, if you can maintain that, you maintain it. And in some cases you have to explain the idiom, you know, because if you, if you use it the way it is in the Greek, for example, it would be lost on the culture because idiom has certain points to it that makes it work. And in some languages it just doesn't carry over, hmm. you know, like even, you know, that verse, man shall not live by bread alone, is a very famous one. Not all languages have bread as their staple. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have other things as their staple. If you use bread there, you'd have to have a footnote that explains bread was like a basic food item in the yeah, culture. whatever their equivalent You know, other countries might have other things. And sometimes it's good to change these things, and sometimes it's okay just to keep it. And put a footnote. And put a footnote. Because um, if the national language is well-respected and valued and it has bread, for mm. example... If you use something else, if you might say this is not a good translation, so you know this translate—it's—it's such a tricky. It's a tricky process because it's not just about you know what is accurate, what is natural. It's also what is acceptable. That's that's a fourth principle. So there is not there's um, accuracy, there's clarity, and there is naturalness, but there's also acceptability. There are translations that have been done that are very well done by people who are much smarter than I am or over, you know, people who are smarter than I am oversee, oversaw the process, you'd say. But the people just, they don't want it because it's not what they're used to in, in the translations that are already available to them. So basically, the process of translating is you first, you use all the tools you have, whatever translations you have access to, and you make a draft. The, mother, the native speaker would make a draft. You start by, as a group, in some cases, just discussing the book, you know, just reading it together, get, trying to understand what is it saying, mm. you know, and before they even start to translate the first verse. Because if they don't know the, the grand story of the book or the chapter, then just going verse by verse, it can be, like, disconnected. You know, because I mean that's so similar to even just how Bible study in general works in when you already have it in the language. Yes, I yes. mean that, that's like the, I mean you know as a, having been a pastor that's a struggle. People, especially now, like in social media world, they're getting like their Instagram verse of the day, 
and it's just disconnected from the whole chapter or anything, any other context. Right. And people misunderstand. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me that in translation that would apply as well. Yeah, you, you have to start with understanding. Yeah. Because you, you can't translate what you don't understand. It becomes very wooden and it's just not natural. Right. You know, so they, they get to understand and then they can draft. And after they have drafted, then the advisor comes in, the translation advisor comes and he checks their work to make sure that the way they have done it is linguistically accurate. It's the discourse is according to how the natives would, would talk about that same mm-hmm. thing. Like if it's a narrative, make sure it does all the, the right narrative markers. If it's an instructive text, like some of the things we see in the Old Testament, you have all the right mm-hmm. things that go with an instructive text and all those kind of things. Um, and after that check is done, then you also need to bring that to the community and to say, let people in the community read it and say, oh, is this beautiful language mm-hmm. in our language? And they can say, yeah, you know, this is really good language we're seeing here. And then you have a translation consultant, somebody who's like uh, versed in Greek or Hebrew. They come and they check the work as well to make sure it's accurate. And um, once they're done and they're pleased with what's been done, they'll give it their stamp of approval. And then that means that you can publish this work and you just keep going like that. And then, yeah, so, and then from there you'd publish. So right now I think you, you spoke at my church this morning, but I think you said you're working in Genesis. Is that correct? Yeah, we're currently working um, on the Joseph story, Genesis, um, that's Genesis 37 to 50. That's what and, and so taking that particular project, Genesis 37 to 50, how long would that take in your particular language? I'm sure there's like a million different variables that could change that, but. Yeah, um, it, that could take like a good two years potentially Just to get those it from use, those those start, like what, start to finish fifteen verses or so or chapters. Yeah, it's, it a, could, it's about that. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a lot of text though. It is a lot of text, and <laughs> it's mostly narrative too. Yeah, but when you get to the end of that section where Jacob is blessing, there's a lot of weird, complicated language, and you know a lot of people are not sure how to translate huh. some of it. You know because he uses all these metaphors and and stuff when he's blessing his sons it's like what is he saying like what is he saying about judah you know mm. so so that can be difficult to translate into another language because they don't have animals or there isn't parallel know, they're no parallels and so it's like how do you do that wow. well yeah so there's some complicated passage in, in, in that section even but there's mostly narrative so it's okay mm. so how would you say that it, it is there any crossover or what can a like a local church pastor here in the United States learn from just kind of the even the the world of Bible translation valuing um understanding mm. you know not just speaking to your congregation and and just assuming that you you've spoken so it's okay i find a lot of places we need bible translation because the people are being fed in a language that is not clear to them or that's not easily understood. And so we need to give them the word in a medium that is they, they can digest easily. Um, and so as a pastor, you know, you have to check to make sure when I speak on a Sunday morning or in a Bible study, does my congregation understand the word that I'm sharing with them? Is it relevant? Is it connecting to their heart? Mm. Because Bible translation is all about God speaking to people in their heart language. Um, 
And so this would be almost we talk about on our show and among us, we talk about like exegeting the culture of your people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know when I moved here to Baltimore, there were just like turns of phrases and idioms and that's sort of a form of translating and understanding yeah, just, what your people need and how they communicate. And um, even I feel like a lot of congregation to in America, there are like multilingual situations. Yeah. And a lot of times pastors take it for granted that, you know, I'm speaking in English and everyone is on the same page. But just even being mindful of other languages that may be present in yeah. your congregation that needs to represent represented. Maybe you're not going to speak in those languages, but checking to make sure, you know, English is your second language. Are you tracking? You know, mm. is there anything I can do to help you to follow clearly? Because people may not want to say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding here. Yeah. Because you're in America, you're supposed to speak English, you know? Yeah. So be mindful of that. And um, I think just valuing, having a, passing on that value for the word, you know, and, and the fact that we need the word. And, and also just using different translations in your, in your sermons, in your study that shows people that, you know, you have all these tools you can use mm. privately as well. Sort of show people your work. Yeah. Yeah. But That's I, good. So those are just some of the things that comes to mind. So um, one of the things we, we wanted to know was just, you know, when most people and myself included think of Wycliffe, well, I, because I lived in Orlando for five years, I think of where it is, like the, where that building is in Orlando. Um, but also, I think a lot of people think primarily of what Wycliffe does overseas, which is what you're involved with right now. But is there anything going on domestically that Wycliffe is doing here in the States? And then kind of along with that, is there, a, is there any kind of places for people to maybe plug in? I'm just kind of interested to know, is there any of that stuff going on in the maybe even in North America. Wycliffe is a, what we call a um, sending organization. So they recruit people, um, help them to prepare, and they send them, they send them out on the missions field. Um, so Wycliffe is always looking to partner with churches to raise up more missionaries who will go to support the work that's taking place in different countries across the world. Um, so that's always a churches can just call them up and say, how can we partner with you? Um, they're also looking for churches who will help to even fund a Bible translation project. As a church, you might say, we want to, we want to help one people group get the scripture in their language and we'll support that work for 30 years kind of thing. Um, but there have been translations done in North America, for example. So, up in Alaska, mm. there, there are some First Nations group. I don't know if that's what you call them in America, but in Canada, they refer to them as First yeah. Nations. So there are some First Nation groups that have gotten the New Testament, and there's, there, I think there, there are more that still needs a Bible translation project. Um, and Wycliffe missionaries have done work with these languages. I think the CPIC have been one of the recent ones to have their New Testament. Um, also, I have heard of some... German community, uh, I want to say Mennonites. I, yeah, not, the, all the, we're actually not far from that yeah. area here up in Pennsylvania. There's um, That needed a translation, and one was done for them. And so, so yeah. they have done work locally as well. Wherever there's a need you know, for Bible translation, Wycliffe uh, tries to 
partner with local churches or individuals to get that done. So let's say there's a pastor listening to this right now, and they're like, man, I really want to find out more about this. I want to maybe get my church connected. What's the best way for them to do I would say um, one of the first, you can go online to org, and on the website there is, you know, how to get connected, how to contact Wycliffe. Uh, there's a phone number there. You can call them and speak to them. They have a church mobilization, um, like a office for that. You can call and speak to the person who's in charge there. Um, um, and as I said, you can adopt a language group. You can adopt a missionary mm. and support them in, in their in their work, wherever they are. Um, and also you can make like a covenant to pray just to, to support by praying, you know? Um, So there are, there are lots of ways churches can get involved um, with the work of Wycliffe. And so somebody, you said they could find a missionary, somebody listening to this wanted to figure out how to connect with you and support you. They go on there and search for Jennifer and Curtis Campbell. Yes. And they'd find your, your link or whatever. Yeah. There's a, yeah. On the website is a search page. Um, You just type in the name. Um, you can even just type in a run like you want to support somebody with the last name Campbell, for example. Yeah. You type that in and a bunch of people with Campbell comes up and you just read their profiles, where they're working, and you know, and you can decide to contact them and support them. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh hanging out and chatting. It's late at night, but we made it happen and you know, I'm grateful for that. Uh so when do you when do you head back to Indonesia? I know this morning in my church you said visas are there. Things are ready, yes. so now it's just what are the next steps? So right now, as you said, we have our visas. Um, we are just going around. We have one more church to visit next week uh, to raise the, the last remaining $181 that we need. And then God's willing, um, about the first week in October, we hope to go back to New Wow. Well, I'm again, I'm really glad that we got to hang out and talk, and hopefully this was pretty interesting for somebody. I know that I got some good uh, comments this morning from a couple of folks in my church that yes. are just like really interested in kind of broadening like, well, oh wow, I didn't even realize this was a thing happening. I, I guess I just take it for granted that the Bible's just in languages. And so uh, hopefully there's some pastors listening to this that will maybe f- research Wycliffe and figure out a way to connect their church. So Yeah, and there, there there's a lot of work to be done. There's still um, almost 1,800 languages are waiting for a Bible translation project to be started. Wow. Um, so just think of... And there's um, a bunch of languages that are started but not Yeah, the, and there, there are over 2,000 that are in process. Yeah. Um, and so we need a lot of prayer and a lot of support. And we also need more missionaries. We need um, to raise up a new generation of missionaries to go on the field and to complete this work. Wow. Well, there might be somebody listening who feels a call. Go to org. And there's probably some kind of connect button thing you can click on, fill oh, out. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, and figure that out. And and one last word just to say, Wycliffe is one of right. the Bible translation agencies. There are many others um, that you can connect And many missions well. agencies. I mean, Many missions agencies. I'm in a missions-heavy denomination myself, and yet, oh, right. you know, we had, we had two or three different people this morning in my church speaking about missions, none right. of which were Alliance missions. <laughs> but it's we're all on the same team. And it's all for the... the, the fulfilling the great commission yep yeah all right man well thanks for joining thank and, you and uh glad we could do this okay hey, we're back um i, I want to make this recommendation if you're ever in um orlando and you have the opportunity to visit 
the Wycliffe headquarters. I would highly encourage you to do so. Have you have have you guys all been to the Wycliffe headquarters in Orlando? Yes. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good little trip. Noticeably better than the Holy Land experience. <laughs> Noticeably better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always I thought mean, the Holy Land experience should have a water park attached to it to be like you know the lukewarm Christian water slide where you just get spewed oh, out dude, of God's yes. mouth. Other than yeah, that, the Holy Land out. experience is not good. It doesn't even exist anymore. You know, I think COVID closed it. Yeah, yeah. The I gates think, of hell oh, did prevail against I, the church, but COVID shut down the Holy Land. I think. Oh man, I think bankruptcy closed it. But yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, 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 Wycliffe, you could also like buy Bibles and other translations that you can't yeah. normally find. Um, there, there's the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible that you should it definitely is the, find. It is the greatest translation. I have yeah. one on my shelf. I have I think one. I have on my it's, shelf called, well. it's called. I didn't know this until I the actually Jesus spent book. time. The Jesus, uh, with, the Jesus book is what it's called. Yeah, I didn't know this until I spent time with Curtis. But pigeon and creole are categories of languages. Oh. Hmm. So pidgin is a language that happens when a group of people who don't speak a language are forced to speak with people from another language oh. and they sort of create like their own dialect or pidgin language. And then when that gets passed on to the next generation as a native language, then it's a Creole. Nice. So uh, go to Wycliffe in Orlando. Here, here's what you do. Come talk to either myself, Andrew and Tim, and we'll help you plan a great Disney vacation then afterwards, you can go visit our friends in Sunday Cool because their headquarters is about 45 minutes or so away from the greater Orlando area. And then you go down to Lake Nona, which is where Wycliffe is located. And there's Beautiful. Wycliffe. And then right next door to that is, I believe, the headquarters to Campus Crusade. Crew. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Crew. Jesus Film Project, all that yep. stuff is headquartered yeah. there. So I got – yeah, you, so much to do in Orlando. A little ministry field trip. And you don't have to do anything at the Holy Land experience. It's great. So, and if you want church recommendations, Jeff worked there for a couple of years. He can definitely give you um, some good churches suggestions to go visit. Anyways, with that being said, that could be a good tag along to the practically pastoring conference. When you come to Florida, spend a couple spend of an extra day, yes. go to Orlando, go visit our friends at Wycliffe, go visit our friends at Sunday cool, all that kind of stuff. It's a good time. Um, also, Quick plug in Sunday Cool has a new uh, podcast called uh, Ninjas or Butterflies, and it's very funny. Or Butterflies or Ninjas, or something like that. Pretty much exactly what you'd expect. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a comedy podcast. Don't expect anything beyond that. It's so good, though. It's really funny. Uh, they're funnier than us, for sure. But anyways, all that kind of stuff. We hope to see you at the, at the conference February 20th to 22nd next year. Um, go to our website, partylypensionerconference.com, for more information. And we'll hopefully see you next week. With that being said, I'm Frank Gill. I'm looking forward to being back in my office next week. I'm Dumb RP. I'm Andrea. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I'm Timothy Miller. <laughs> this is probably I'm Patrick. actually Andrew. I'm a man. <laughs> Bye. I've been one my whole life. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better. 